everyone, it's Dr. Stephen Harvey here from Ohio University, and welcome to the Positive Pedagogy for Sport Coaching podcast. In this episode, we tried something a little different, and I teamed up with Dr. Risto Martinen from George Mason University, who runs a podcast called Playing with Research in Health and Physical Education. Risto and I talked to Dr. Shane Pill, an associate professor at Flinders University in South Australia, about the Game Sense approach to coaching, which shares many features with positive pedagogy. The discussion is focused around a research paper Dr. Pill completed about implementing a Game Sense approach in Australian rules football through collaborative action research. It was a great episode and a great discussion, and I really enjoyed it. So without further ado, here we go. All right, uh, Risto here with George Mason University. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Shane Pill today. Uh, Shane is, a, is an associate professor at Flinders University in Adelaide, Australia. Uh, today's episode talks a bit about Aussie rules football, game sense, and an action research approach. So a little bit of something for everyone. Uh, so here we go with another episode of Playing with Research in Health and Physical Education. Now, the article we're t- highlighting today is titled Implementing Game Sense Coaching Approach in Australian Football Through Action Research. It was published in 2016. It was also turned into a research summary by Sports Coach UK. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us and teaching us some Game Sense. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for the uh, opportunity. Awesome. Uh, we also have Stephen Harvey lurking in the background. So uh, Stephen Harvey just started a new podcast. Uh, can you share a little bit about uh, where you can find the podcast, what the name of it is? Yes, Risto. The podcast is called Positive Pedagogy for Sport Coaching, building on work that we've done for a recent book that's going to be published this summer on that concept. It builds on the work of Richard Light, looking at strengths-based approaches to coaching, Antonovsky's sense of coherence model and Seligman's work on kind of happiness and positive psychology. So drawing on those things and a constructivist approach to teaching and learning, we focus on how coaches and teachers design learning experiences and then also how they use questioning and inquiry. And we talk to guests about how they use that in their coaching primarily. Awesome. So uh, we'll put this on both podcasts. So it depends on uh, which one you're listening to. Uh, that'll get you your source. Um, but let's get into the study. Um, Shane, your study essentially looked at how Australian football coach uh, adopted the game sense approach. Can you just start off and explain why you did this study? I do a bit of work with the South Australian National Football League, which is the state league competition here in South Australia. And part of that work is uh, delivering at the level two and level three coaching courses. After one of these courses, a coach came up to me and said that they'd like a bit more mentoring in the game sense approach. Uh, Would I be available? Uh, I said I'd be available if we could turn it into a research project because that's what I uh, need to be able to do as an academic. He was very, very interested in that. So we sat down, we had a chat, we we mapped it out and got, uh, in this case, the school's approval because it was a first 18 football team at uh, one of the schools here in Adelaide. And we rock and rolled into the research project. Awesome. Those are the best research projects to do when you have a person that comes in and says, I really want to do this. And you say, okay, let's do a research project. And you line it up, so it's a win-win. Um, now, you talked about uh, Australian rules football. For those of us 
who are not familiar with this awesome sport, uh, can you explain the action-packed game of Aussie Rules football and um, kind of also weigh in on my choice to become a St. Kilda Saints fan in 2005 when I first saw them play at uh, Melbourne Cricket Grounds when they were really bad? Are they still really bad? They're improving. They've got a very good coach at the moment, and I actually use an article from uh, their current coach from when he was an assistant coach at another team talking about the shift in Australian football from lines, laps and lectures to game-based, game-sense coaching. It's an article from this coach in the in the mid-2000s. So uh, Australian football coaching has had a uh, an imperative to move towards more game-based, game-sense coaching. It's included in the Level 1 coaching uh, manuals that go out to uh, everybody that does a level one coaching course. So um, yeah, he's a very good coach. St Kilda are on the rise. I guess the Saints, it's got a very powerful cultural image. Uh, the red, white and black are fairly traditional colours. A lot of people in Melbourne might have had St Kilda as their second second team a long time ago. But other than that, I can just say that it was naivety on your behalf that, that led <laughs> you to follow that team. Yeah. So, what is what is Australian rules football in like a nutshell? Like, would you compare it to rugby, or does it cross over with other other sports? Like, to a person who's never seen this game, how would you describe it most similar to? It's a three hundred and sixty degree game that requires kicking, marking, taking the ball in the hands. You can't throw the ball, so therefore, passing the ball by hand needs an alternative, which we call a handball, which is punching the ball out of uh, the other hand. Uh, if you take a mark, you have the opportunity to have a free, uncontested kick, or if you decide to play on from that mark, of course, you're in open field play. So it's maybe in a physical education sense, it's an open field game in the invasion game category where we score by getting the ball through a goal rather than running it over a line. Uh, it is unique in that you can have the tackling from 360 degrees. It's unique in the size of the playing field. The number of players uh, requires higher levels of athleticism. However, suits all shapes and sizes of body to be able to play. Probably the, the closest game visually to it would be Gaelic football. But Gaelic football is more continuous because they don't have the mark after a, catching a kick on the full. Right. And I'll, I'll follow up with that. You said all level one coaching certification coaches get this game sense approach. How long has that been going on? Because it seems like coming from the U.S. setting, at least, there are some organizations that give you a certain curriculum. But I don't I don't see and Stephen, you can kind of maybe uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see U.S. programs actually giving a like a curriculum focus to coaches they just kind of say these are some skills that you should do and this is how you mentor athletes the game sense has been embedded in the coaching program since i started to work in them in the mid 2000s and may go back longer than that uh, in the australian football coaching manuals they call them game sense games so they're looking at that phase of training where you're doing your match simulations or teaching about the game so you've moved from the warm-up where you might go through a close to open skill progression and then you're into the uh, teaching about the game and that's where you introduce your game sense activities uh, in rugby league in australia i think they've moved to call them 
skill-biased games, but essentially they're the same thing, but Rugby League have coded it with a different name. The Game Sense approach uh, came into Australian sport in the mid-1990s in an effort to introduce more play-based approaches for juniors and game-based approaches for seniors, predicated on um, the TGFU work and other work of that nature that had been going on in Europe for about 20 years before that. And in the US, like I do a little bit of work with USA Field Hockey, so we've, similar to what Shane articulated, the work, the TGFU work mainly has been embedded into the US Field Hockey Level 1 and Level 2 curriculums and will be in the Advanced Coach Award as well when that gets reformatted. And if you look at UK, I mean, in I talk Field Hockey, the notion of TGFU was starting to emanate in, around about 2009 and has been taken on by Danny Kerry, the head coach, and has been built into their coaching education programs since around the sort of 2010, kind of moving from there. The last thing I would say is we do have things now called the American Development Model, and that has, again, stimulated this kind of what Shane just described as a player-centered approach to coaching. So it's trying to build in more small-sided game opportunities as as well as some authentically based, what would have been skill-based activities, like two versus one, three versus that kind of thing. Right. Now, you, uh, Shane, you talked about changing from this traditional approach to a game sense approach. Um, what, what do you consider traditional approach to coaching, and why, why may not that translate to a dynamic game like um, Australian rules football? Yeah, the traditional approach is best summarised as lines, laps and lectures. lectures. So it's highly directed by the coach, directed in terms of the verbal input, um, successful um, participation at training is replication of what the coach or in a physical education setting, replication of what the teacher is demonstrating or showing. The closer the replication of that representation, the, the better the student is performing. So there's no sense of individualisation of performance of the, the movement, there's no um, sense of flexible and adaptive movement models, there's a, a stylized notion of this is how you must kick the ball based on, you know, maybe what is biomechanically optimal, but not necessarily within the range of parameters that are biomechanically effective uh, in order for it to reach the performance requirements of the games. So typically you'd see progressive part pedagogy in a sports training session, starting off uh, with close to open drills being the majority of the training session, uh, lines, laps, warm up, maybe some dynamic stretching into drill one, drill two, drill three, drill four, moving towards more um, an open base drill where you might bring in some defensive pressure and then into a warm down at the end where you do some more lines and laps to bring the, the playing intensity back down. So um, lots of running off the marker, only one decision, which is kicking to the player coming off the marker at the other end. Um, so decision-making is constrained to a solution rather than training the um, ability to perceive the options that are available and choose an option which is optimal for the situation. Well, whereas the game sense approach is built on the idea of making the training session, most of the training session representative of the game so that you are playing a game in some form, 
because that's what you're trying to teach the players to be able to perform in. Right. And so can you elaborate a little bit more on what the game sense is? Because the traditional approach sounds like every single practice that I've ever been to um, when I was growing up and playing team sports, it was that traditional sense. So what is game sense? And also maybe you can answer and clarify a little bit. Is um, game sense TGFU or a tactical games approach or is it something different? Going to the, the first question, uh, game sense is a metaphor for game intelligence. So if we think about game intelligence as the capacity of the person to make a decision and then the competence of the individual to enact that decision within the game, that is game sense. So using a little bit of a, an equation, if you like, it's your decision making plus your movement competence evident in the play. So you can only assess somebody's game sense by seeing them perform in the game. So therefore, game sense training or game sense coaching is about preparation for that performance in the game, that game sense being evident in the game. So the easiest way is to think game sense metaphor for game intelligence. Game intelligence, uh, often people would say that's the decision making that you see in the evidence of the actions that occur on the field. All right. So the behavior we see of players on the field is the evidence of their thinking in action. That's, that's game sense. Uh, in terms of is game sense TGFU, yes and no. There are similar pedagogical principles prioritized in the game sense approach to TGFU and tactical games. However, TGFU goes through a six step model in order. Step one, step two, there is a six step cycle which in the TGFU literature they said that model is integral to doing a TGFU approach. If you're not using that six-step model, you're doing something else. It's not TGFU. Might still be game-based, but it's not TGFU. Then what happened in the tactical games is they took that six-step model and they broke it down into a three-step model. In a game sense approach, we would start off with a game. Game one, in my opinion, should be retrieval practice where we're working with the existing competencies of the players to get them comfortable in the training. Depending upon your phase of training, uh, whether it's pre-season, in-season, whether in-season, whether it's the game development session, whether it's the recovery session or the session prior to performance, which is a run through before the game. Let's say it's your main training session. Um, a game sense approach would be play a game go into a period of reflection with the players, and that's not necessarily something that is lengthy or long, but you're in that reflection. Based upon that reflection, you may go back into the game because you've got the players focused on an aspect of the play, or some players might need to break out into a practice task because there's an element of performance in the game that they need to improve before they go back into the game. Or the whole session, the whole team might need to stop and the session becomes a practice task before you go back into the game. Or in a game sense approach, after you've done that retrieval practice focused on existing competencies, knowledge and understanding, after the period of reflection, the challenge point might be upped because that's where you want to put players into the stretch in order to get their next level of development. So in a sense, a game sense approach is more non-linear because of that flexibility than the six-step model of TGFU, which says you go from step one to step two to step three in that cycle. 
However, both tactical games, TGFU and the game sense approach all start off with a sense of what is the game form that you start practice with. Right. So would you say that it's, um, you know, speaking from your experience, would it be harder to enact a game sense approach versus a TGFU or a tactical games because those are so like prescriptive as here's step one, then you go to step two, step three, four, five, six, or one, two, three, or is it tougher to, you know, run a game sense approach because it's so nonlinear and you need actually a lot of, you know, I would assume a lot of coaching intelligence to be able to know what the team needs in order to make those steps. In my experience, it's harder to do a game sense approach. You need to be more pedagogically advanced. You need to have greater understanding of your sport. You need to be, um, you need to be in a sense more organized because you're trying to predict where the players might go in the questioning episode. So you've got more resources in your toolkit to be able to respond to it than if you're stuck in step one, then leads to step two, to lead to step three. In the early days of my adoption of a game sense coaching approach, um, initially I started off in my coaching with it. Then I brought it into my PE teaching because I was experiencing a lot of satisfaction through both results and also the feedback coming from the players from the adoption of the game sense approach. So then I brought it into my PE teaching. But when I reflect back on my practice, my early attempts at a game sense approach would look like a tactical games perspective. Start with a game, into a practice form, finish with a game. And that would be my typical uh, teaching episode or, or coaching episode. The more I came to understand game sense approach, particularly when I got hold of the original research report from the Australian Sports Commission, I, be I understood the game sense approach is far more dynamic than that uh, step one, step two, step three of a tactical games approach. And my coaching evolved to be far more non-linear and dynamic as a consequence. Right. And you talk about in this article how game sense approach pushes the coach as an educator, and it talks about being inquiry-based. Um, now, this approach evolves and changes throughout depending on let's say the athlete's physical competency or their cognitive uh, complexity of the task or just over time. Um, what kind of research has been conducted on this approach other than this fine article that we're talking about? Yeah, there's quite a good body of literature from Richard Light, John Evans and others. Uh, Stephen Harvey's contributed to the Game Sense literature. A lot of it is looking at the efficacy of the approach with a group of teachers or with a group of coaches. Um, I think the research needs to go into what we might call the, the micro-pedagogies and actually have a look at um, game modification as a distinctive part of the game sense approach. Or to have a look at the notion of inquiry, and this is where something like Moston Spectrum of teaching approaches would work really well with the game sense approach. When the teacher or coach is doing their inquiry, are they retrieving existing understanding so the player is not actually going into um, development and creativity if we've asked that question and we get an answer and then we ping it over to another member in another player in the group and they give us a similar answer well we don't know whether they're copying the answer of the first person or whether they already knew it because the information is already out there in the coaching group from the first answer so um, 
the sophistication of the inquiry is something that is underexplored, not just in the game sense coaching approach or teaching approach, but also in the game-based literature itself. And that's because we move from, you know, the early TGFU literature was comparing TGFU as a tactical versus a technical perspective, which I believe was a misunderstanding of the approach. It was never meant to be a binary, this is a tactical, this is a technical perspective. But a lot of the research was initially comparing those two. Um, so the complementarity of teaching tactical and technical together in a game sense activity or a TGFU activity was lost in some of that early research. But it did make a really valuable contribution to the literature to tell us that in a tactical emphasis, we can pretty much be confident that they'll that players and students in PE will develop similar levels of technical ability to those that have done a technical focused approach. They will probably come away with greater game understanding, greater game sense, greater game intelligence if they've done the tactical approach, probably. But we still don't have enough research to say definitely, in my opinion. Right, and Stephen, can you jump in here on um the amount of research that's been done in the U.S. and I'll I'll speak honestly here, it, you know, very naive about this term game sense. Like when I when you sent me this article, I'm looking at it going, is this TGFU or is this tactical games? Because to me, that term game sense is not something that I you know read about in my pedagogy courses in in grad school. It just didn't come across my desk. So. Uh, Stephen, are are scholar are you doing research in game sense in the U.S. context, or is this more of um, a term or a research line that's been do been done in the U.K. and Australia? Well, the term game sense is more culturally developed in an Australian sense because that's the term that was given to it, and Shane can correct when Rod Thorpe went to Australia and it was to try and demarcate it away from somewhat teachers to the more coaching base that Rod was doing a lot of workshops with. And I think that that important distinction has to be made between a more pres prescriptive model like the tactical games approach where you, do, where you go point one, point two, so game, skill, game. And that was done by Steve Mitchell and colleagues because they found that a lot of American teachers were struggling in their teacher education programs in getting to grips with this fluidity of the model. So they needed something that was a little bit more structured, but they found that the six-stage model was unwieldy because they didn't have time in class to get around all the six stages. And then there was the question, like Shane said, do, am I doing the model? Which, it, ostensibly, you might not be if you don't get around it in one game, uh, in one day, sorry. So if people like Richard Light are proponents of the game sense approach because of what Shane said, because of its fluidity and that kind of thing. Now, Steve Mitchell did a nice presentation in Hong Kong in 20, 2005 where he put these, and in his lit review in the Handbook of PE in 2006, where he, he, he had this umbrella term called game-centered approaches uh, because there are shared features among these different versions and I think what I've tried to promote is more those shared ideas 
rather than get tripped up on lots of terminology and is one more different from another. But that's the historical context which Shane and I have just explored to, to some extent. But I think that the notion, the one thing that Shane didn't maybe grab onto here was in in some of the literature, people have used the term game sense pedagogy, which is somewhat distinctive from game sense, which is game intelligent. So you are trying to teach game intelligence but you use a game sense pedagogy, which then relies on the things that Shane has highlighted in the article. Things like there's a pedagogical focus. We're very interested in how we design the learning experience, how how the coach or the teacher manages that environment through its fluidity and asks questions, etc. Awesome. And so I think the the kind of tactical games or TGFU, you have some non-negotiables. Uh, which we kind of come back to in sport education uh, about if you're not doing these, you're not doing the model. So don't say that you're using this model. And uh, it seems it's a little bit more linear. Um, but Shane, can you explain the study? Uh, what did you What did you do in the study? Sat down with the teacher and we we looked at developing a a program over the course of a season, pre-season, in-season. Uh, the college football program doesn't have finals series, so we didn't have to worry about uh, post-season and, and making finals. Um, that was part of verification that they understood the game sense approach and they could use it in a season plan. Uh, they developed session plans, and part of my role was to verify that the session plans were following the game sense approach. I went out to some practice sessions during those practice sessions, I verified the game sense approach was being followed and to what degree. I was able to be involved in uh, reflection Q&As with the coach. Um, and the coach was uh, putting together a, a reflective diary about what they were doing. And we would meet over a coffee, have a chat about what was going on, how the reflections were going. So the notion of it being very much collaborative is that I wasn't passive in this research. I was there as the more experienced other. I was there as the, the pedagogical expert providing advice. And so um, in terms of the action research project, it wasn't um, going through a series of cycles with me coming in at the end of each cycle. I was embedded in the project as a um, pedagogical expert the whole way through. Right, so that kind of distinguishes it as a collaborative action research project instead of an action research project, right? So that you're right. embedded in instead of uh, just kind of being a support that they might be able to reach out to. Um, Absolutely. Now, instead of coming your... in at predetermined, sorry, instead of coming yeah. in at predetermined points, I was embedded continuously throughout the project. Awesome. Um, so you had four major themes come across from this data analysis. One was the changing of practice plans. The second was about clarifying the relationship between technique, tactics, and games. Uh, three was understanding that there's more to the game sense approach than just playing games. And finally, four, the players notice the difference. Can you walk us through these themes and kind of explain them for us? Yeah. So the coach had never experienced as a player or in their coaching apprenticeship anybody using the game sense approach. They had no representation, no um, touchstones to go back to. So this was a completely new experience for them. And, and the first 
uh, area that the coach noticed was um, the challenge of changing their thinking about designing a session plan and staying true to that thinking the whole way through. Changing the practice plans was probably the easy part of it because it's a design process and if you can commit to the design process, you get better at it over time. The more difficult thing was clarifying the relationship between technique, tactics and the game and um, the fact that techniques might break down under pressure in a game at training, so therefore training looks untidy, looks messy. Um, is that an okay thing to do? And... Uh, and the coach struggled with that messiness, with that untidiness in putting the players into that stretch because they had understood a good training session to be a tidy training session. You know, the football stay off the ground, lots of players taking the ball in the hands, the kicks are going to, to teammates, hitting targets, as we would say. And if they were being put under match simulation pressure, often it looked like a match, which is not as, as tidy as how they had experienced typical practice sessions. So we had to clarify that you know, the, the technical execution needs to be at training similar to what you, you do in a game. Um, there's a great story here of the Hawthorne Football Club. It's very similar to the Alex, is it Alex Ferguson story um, with the soccer coaching. Not being a soccer fan, I don't know if I got Sir Fergie's um, first name right. But Alistair Clarkson over here, his first couple of years at Hawthorne Football Club, the team struggled. Um, his coaching was in jeopardy early on in his coaching career. The skill acquisition expert there did an analysis between the difference of kicks at training and in games and found that the kicks at training had very little representation to the type of kicks that were being performed in the game. Most of the kicks in the game were under time pressure and oppositional pressure. Most of the kicks at training were exactly the opposite. So what they did was make training more like the game. Now, Hawthorne under Alistair Clarkson has gone on to be the most successful Australian football team of the last decade. And many of their players have been heard to comment in sessions, we probably kick the ball at training less than other football clubs, but every kick we do has purpose. Every kick matters. There's consequence on every kick. So in my language, Hawthorne Football Club moved towards more of a game sense approach from that traditional type of approach. Um, Probably, therefore, no surprise that Alistair Clarkson at the National Coaches Conference a couple of years ago was telling Australian football coaches, play games. Football players don't play enough games. Play games, play games at training. Any invasion game, just get the kids playing games to develop their decision-making, develop them as thinking players. That should be the priority with junior footballers. So, you know, that was something we had to work out with Dom coming to that understanding. Uh, but the game sense approach is more than playing games. Playing games is possibly the easy part. It's the coach actually being able to sit back, observe what's happening, understand what's happening, and then coming in with meaningful interjections, meaningful in terms that they actually help the players develop as thinkers, the thinking players. Uh, and so therefore the coach needs to be standing back and thinking about what habits of thinking am I seeing in the behaviours that I'm observing. So, for example, if a player misses a tackle the first time, they know they've missed a tackle. The coach doesn't need to come in and say, you missed a tackle. But the coach watches that player, and if they miss five tackles, and there's a common element to why that player has missed those five tackles, then there is something for the coach to go and talk to that player about. So putting, a, putting the coach into that position as of observer 
uh, so that they can actually do really focused inquiry with their players is really, to me, the art of the game sense approach. The design part of it is organising the games, modifying the games, um, using exaggeration, simplification, elimination of various aspects of the game to condition it for a particular educative purpose or in the, the more modern vernacular to constrain the game uh, for particular affordances to be available in order to direct the player's decision making. But the, the real art of a game sense approach is in the observation of the coach to be able to um, educate their players, to be getting information that enables them to help their players be better than what they are. Yeah, and it seems like in in this sense that, you know, you, you can't just prop this model or this game sense approach to a crappy coach that doesn't know the sport because they need to have that pedagogical knowledge and that content knowledge of that sport and be at the high level of understanding that tactic. So, absolutely. you know, I, I look at, you know, I, I know coaches in my brain right now that I'm going, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to send this podcast to, or I'm going to send this article to and have them read through it because I think that there's such high level intelligent coaches of their specific sports and then to enact something like this that could work, but then maybe a coach is a first year physical education teacher that is asked, hey, uh, can you teach water polo or can you can you coach the soccer team? We just need a warm body. Maybe game sense approach, not the smartest thing to start until they learn that learn that sport inside and out. Am I incorrect? Yeah, I would say you're incorrect. I think everybody has to start somewhere. So I encourage coaches to take a risk and explore. I mean, you know, we will only develop as a coach if we're prepared to make mistakes. So start with a game sense approach. Be prepared to make mistakes. And it's in those mistakes that you'll learn to be a better exponent of the game sense approach. As I said earlier in the, in the interview, I do the game sense approach now differently than what I did in 1992 when I first started playing around with these ideas. Now, very early on, my game sense approach would have looked more like that tactical games perspective with game practice into the game. It's far more flexible and nuanced now that I've really come to understand what the game sense approach is, having worked in it, PD'd it, researched it, etc., got hold of the original report. So yeah, everybody has to start somewhere with this and be prepared to make mistakes along. We ask our players to make mistakes to be at the edge of their operational capacity in order to improve their ability. We ask the players to be put into a stretch. I think we need to be put into a stretch as coaches as well in order to be better tomorrow than what we are today. And and not to throw off, because I know you're in the middle of the findings, so you got one more to say, but... US soccer have gone to this play practice play method and they've started with it at level one and it's at level five and it goes all the way up. So you've got what would be, or it's not level one, it's at the foundational level courses up to their D license and then up to the A. And the no, their notion is, like Shane just said, you've got to start somewhere. So parent coaches who are volunteers who might do a foundation course and then a D license are exposed to this player practice play method, which could be considered a bit of a cookie cutter approach or, you know, the old, are you a cook or are you a chef? So you probably start out more of a cook with a predefined recipe and predefined plans. But then what you can do is as you get more experienced and in tune with what you're doing, and especially if you've got an expert pedagogue 
alongside you, like Shane, you can develop those nuances as you move forward. And I'd also say that teachers and coaches are in, interpretively pragmatic. Here's the, here's the model, but they need to make the model work in the context of where they're, they're at in their coaching and where their players are at. So um, a colleague of mine talks about being a red coach and a blue coach. And if you're a red coach from a country like Australia, inquiry orientated, high wage, high income economy, so therefore we don't make a lot of stuff. We need thinkers because knowledge is our is our currency. So schooling is all about inquiry, creativity, synthesis, evaluation. If we go into a different country where teachers are up on a pedestal, they are the font of knowledge, they are the expert, and education is master and apprentice style, they will push back on us coming straight in and doing a game sense approach. If I'm at an elite level and I have an athlete from one of those countries come into my system, initially they'll be thinking I'm not doing my job because they're used to a master-apprentice style. So this is where I think the game sense approach needs to fit in with an athlete-centred perspective that you need to understand your players and there will be player differences, which is the next part of the findings that I'll talk about. But we also need to be aware that the game sense approach will look different if you're working with a group of five-year-olds compared to a group of 25-year-olds. It will look different if you're working with a group of 25-year-olds in a community sport program compared to an elite program. Now, an elite program, they've got two hours out in the training track. They're going activity one, activity two, activity three. They're not doing a lot of reflection in the moment because they're videotaping everything. The coaches will go back in. The coaches will look at the videotape and then call a meeting with their um, with the players that are in their group and do the inquiry with the video after they've reviewed it. The reflection is still there. The questioning is still there. The inquiry on the game sense is still there. But because the athletes are full-time, when they're on the training track, it's just go, go, go. Now, the community coach doesn't have their players full-time and that opportunity to do the reflection outside of it, so the reflection has to happen during the training session. So there's sometimes a thought that a game sense approach looks the same everywhere, and I think that's where um, I, as a researcher, I come from a pragmatic tradition that goes, you know what, here is, as Stephen said, here is the recipe, but the master chef knows how to adapt the recipe in order to achieve a particular outcome for a particular audience for a particular um, group that is consuming it so very quickly that last one there a lot of the players there were some players had come through state league development programs where their coaches were doing a more inquiry game-based approach and so they adapted very quickly there are others who are going oh this is so cool love coming to training we're playing games training is really cool but there are other players who are going this isn't how we do football training this isn't right what the hell is the coach doing this is not how it should be. So we need to understand that um, if we're implementing it for the first time, there will be players who understandably will push back because it's not how they understand from their 10, 15 years of being involved in the sport, good coaching occurs. Right. And, you know, I, I found this super, super interesting. I'm really actually like pumped up. I need to start coaching again. Uh, <laughs> but I think more so that a lot of the player reviews off of this coach were based off this coach's very first time teaching this game sense approach um, or model. And I can only imagine how vastly different this coach is two years, three years, four years, five years down the line if they consistently continue to do this. Or, you know, even thinking about a new player that comes in or has been taught through this game sense approach and then gets to this higher level and it's 
something that they're already familiar with so they don't automatically go to, oh, this is different. Let me make a decision about it. Um, so can you like put like this in a little package and put a bow on top and kind of wrap this up and give us some concluding thoughts on, on this paper, on this research project? I think you summarized what I was talking about before really well. The more you do this, the better you get at it. I encourage coaches to see themselves as the lead learner. They ask their players to be learners. The coach needs to be the lead learner, modeling that we're in a continuous improvement cycle, not just as players continuously improving, but as coaches, we need to be continuously improving as well. So as, as coaches and as physical education teachers, we need to model the expectation that learning is a continuous process throughout our, our lives and our professional career. Now I encourage the coaches and teachers to go back to their classes or their training session and, and talk about the PD that they've done and how it's influenced them and how things might change as a consequence to be able to, to model the fact that learning is important. Um, I encourage the coaches to say, sorry, that didn't work, let's move on. So if, if they plan something and it doesn't work and, and the players are not happy, you know it's not happy, acknowledge it. You know, say, I took a risk. This is what I tried to do. It didn't work. Okay, we learned something from it. Let's move on to the next activity. Uh, so the players actually see that you're comfortable with making mistakes. And then it becomes consistent that if you're comfortable with making mistakes, when you see a player making a mistake out on the ground, you don't actually grill them for making the mistake. You actually go back to, as I said before, you're looking for the habits of behavior. Everybody makes a mistake. If they don't learn from that mistake and rectify the action the next time around, then you might need to have a learning conversation with that player because there's a habit that needs to change, whether it's a technical habit or it's a thinking habit, something needs to change in order for the player to improve. And I love that, having a learning conversation instead of, getting angry at somebody for making a mistake, using it as a learning conversation. Um, look, I, I love how your research project basically shows you something like this can be learned and translated from theory into coaching behavior in the field or teaching behavior in a physical education classroom. Um, I mean, I, I look at this as the truest sense of research in at least my view. Um, I really want to thank you for your time. I appreciate your work. Uh, Stephen, do you have any um, follow-up questions for our friend Shane here or any concluding thoughts? No, I just wanted to follow up that you said about other research. I mean, Shane and I have done quite a few projects together. If people want access, I know Shane's got stuff on academia.edu and ResearchGate, and I have too. I've generally in the US explored things like the challenges that coaches and teachers have with trying to integrate this approach into their practice. I think this project is a good solution to that where you work with an expert pedagogue. I've done some similar studies myself. We've just published, me and not Shane, but another couple of colleagues, I've got a student in Ireland. He's working with some Gaelic um, football coaches. So we just pr produced a review of the, all the literature on game-based coaching in 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 quest so that one's available too so i can share the link there as well so there's quite a lot of research around but what it shows is that the the motivational aspects of young people's learning that they the, the, for the most part these are based on means that the the general thing we know is that the reports that students like and are motivated by this approach but it does take time for the coach and you've got to and it also takes time for the students to learn. So you've got to invest in what you're doing. 
and and not just see it like I was saying as a cookie cutter as an investment in something that you're going to do over a period of your career and get better at it. So like Shane said, 1992 to today, and he'll probably still have rubbish training sessions, I bet. Well, we all do. So that's uh, that's that. And you can find my podcast on iTunes and all the usual anchor and all the usual things. Awesome. And Shane, uh, can you give us um, where can people find you on Twitter or any um, any other final words you got? Yeah, Twitter's at Pilly66, which gives you an indication of how old I might be. Um, I run a blog called Learning Through Sport. Uh, where I, I put some perspectives uh, out there on both physical education teaching tend to wax and wane between one on phys ed, one on sports coaching as I go through. Um, on LinkedIn, um, people can contact me at Flinders University. Most academic profiles are really easy to search and you'll get email contact. Love to hear from any coaches who are interested in doing a, a research project in this area uh, or who just want to have a bit more of a chat. But uh, as I said earlier, there's... There is a need for more research, and I think some of the research impetus um, has shifted from pedagogy to skill acquisition, and pedagogues think differently than skill acquisition scientists. Um, and I'd love to see there be more people, again, returning to looking at the educative um, essence, which is where you go to if you're a pedagogue and what it means to actually learn. Uh, so it's really cool that people like Stephen are still doing a lot of research with coaches in that area. Uh, and I'd love to hear from anybody that might be interested in doing a study in their context. Awesome. Uh, thank you both. Uh, really appreciate it. We'll uh, link to all of the stuff that we talked about, uh, Twitter handles and other podcasts and where to get uh, information. So uh, thank you both. And that's all we have for you on this one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.